Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Good morning or evening, afternoon, wherever you are. And welcome back to the Sports for Dummies podcast, the podcast for you, whether you know absolutely everything about the world of sports or absolutely zero. We are talking about the three biggest stories of the week, in our opinion. I'm back with my best mate in the podcasting world, Hope Ellen. Oh, she's munching on some avocado toast. Hope, how's it going? It's going well. I've actually put the avocado toast to the side for a hot sec. Yeah, I have because I don't feel like I'll be able to listen and contribute so much if I've got seedy bread and mm. avocado in my teeth. Before this, Lewis turned his nose up at the avocado and we realised he is an avocado. I'm an avocado. I'm also, hope on that note as well, I've realised I've had, I had something sitting here for a while that I haven't actually touched for a long time. It's a, uh, it's a zap bar, which is actually, I mean, it's, it's a bit crumbly now because it's a couple of weeks How old. long has it been there? When did I go to Sweden? Ten days ago. Uh, but it's only, it's, uh, I've wrapped it up properly, so it's fine. But it's actually a Mars bar. The weird thing is, though, it's actually very different. I was going to make a quick point about it. It's quite funny. Mars bars are like that caramel, nice flavour. This is not breakfasty at all, by the way. I'll add in here. This is, we're, we're not talking nutrition, so don't have a Mars bar for breakfast. We can if you want to, but I personally don't. Um, you do you. Yeah, exactly. You do you. But it's got this kind of, it's more like, it's weird. You know, like a Milky Way taste. It's kind of like that. It's mm. not, I was disappointed. I was expecting Mars bar and I got Milky Way and it just didn't. I was on the plane home. I was disappointed. Both Mars bars and Milky Ways can be ever so sickly. I'm not mm. a huge fan of a Mars bar. What's your go-to chocolate? Used to be Yorkie. Did it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Controversial. Right. Mm. Not oh, for so, girls. Oh, they had to change it, didn't they? They had to change that advert, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was some, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But I quite liked the fact that it was not for girls because I was like, I'm breaking the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a naughty girl. Yeah, like that. Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, all right. Well, I have to cut that bit. It's dodgy. <laughs> no, we'll leave it that The bit. thing is, though, the thing is, I say things that like are, a bit, are innocent and don't, and then you turn around and you, you, you poke the snake and then you make it nasty. <laughs> What's the word? Poke the snake. I don't think that's a saying. No, there is a saying. You poke the... Is it poke the bear or poke... I can't remember. I wouldn't recommend poking a snake. Oh, no, I wouldn't either. That, 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 that does make sense, actually, poking a snake. You wouldn't want to poke a snake. Um, anyway, the point is, 
I say these fine sayings and then you twist them on the head and make them naughty. <laughs> Just the way you say naughty sounds wrong. Yeah, not good. Naughty. Anyway, how, how's life been? Yes. What's been, apart from your avocado toast and money about uh, Mars bars, what's been going down? Um, It's been a quite, quite a quiet month. It usually goes this way in self-employed land um, where you have peaks and troughs and at the moment it's just a little bit troughy um <laughs> but i've got a shoot tomorrow with gala bingo which is exciting. Bingo, bingo bingo and this week's show is um movie and film themed oh cool that so sounds fun i'm wearing a fancy dress i'm gonna be good sandy so i've ordered a grease outfit yellow skirt cardigan very innocent and told my makeup artist to do my hair like Sandy. I've never, I've, I've never, never watched Grease. Never watched Grease? I've never watched. Do you know why? I think the thing is, going to like performing art school, I've done Blue Suede Shoes, I've done Grease Lightning like a, a hundred gazillion billion times, as in the songs. I think when you, you get to a point where it just like, I'm just not, I'm not engaged. I feel like I need to, I need to wait a couple of years and I'll watch it at some point. I'm just, it's just not my sort of cup of tea, but it, good film. I'm not one of these people who's going to be like, <gasps> you haven't watched Grease. You need to watch Grease. I'm not one of them people. You no. do what you want, Lewis. If you haven't seen it, you haven't seen it. No. Not being funny. I still love you. So it's all right. And Lewis, you mentioned that you've been abroad. What's been going on in your world? Hope it's been fun to be there. I went to Sweden, Stockholm. It was good. I went to interview a 94-year-old man called Hasser Tvilling, who actually is called Hans, um, but his, his name he goes by as Hasser. And he is one of five men in Swedish sporting history to compete internationally for Sweden in ice hockey and football. He had a twin brother called Stig, who was also called, his nickname was Stickan. And they are basically, I'd, I'd argue, two of the most famous Swedish sporting heroes of all time. Now, I was going out there for my dissertation documentary and I was talking to him about Frank Sue, who is here on this book. As you can see, Frank Sue was the first non-white man to play internationally for the English national football team. And, but to come back to, to Hassa, so Frank managed Jorgard and the team he played for in the 1954-55 season and won the league. And he is the only he's the only uh, player from that season who is still alive. So all of his teammates have passed away because obviously it's like 70 years ago or whatever. And um, sadly, his twin brother passed away as well. But we were just like basically interviewing him about his memories of Frank and uh, what, yeah, that season, how it went, how, what the feeling was like in the dressing room and then really about his later life. And it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. It had so much fun. It actually wasn't that cold. It looked like it was going to be freezing uh, and it wasn't. And I tell you what, Hope, I'd... I have some great stories about being out there and silly things that happen. But the best story of all, in terms of like one of the most ridiculous things that I'll share, we were at the we were at a non-league club in Stockholm, who many people won't have heard of, but it was a club that Frank was involved in for a short amount of time. So I went down there, and it literally was like a standard sort of a bit like you'd see in England. It had their sort of their club. I don't even know what you call it. A bit like a shack. It basically was like a a cafeteria sort of place, a little dressing room for the players, and then the two pitches. Um, and we were walking out of the of the cafe. The man in there didn't speak any English. So Stockholm is sort of renowned for being able to, most people in Stockholm speak English because that's just how Scandi countries work. But this part of Stockholm was quite far out, really. And so lots of people didn't speak English. There were lots of people who had no idea what we were talking, like sort of just stood there and just said, no, you know, do you speak English? No. Um, 
Anyway, so we, we'd had this interaction with this guy in this cafeteria. He spoke no English. We we thought we'd travelled down there effectively for nothing. Like, we'd got a little video, you know, Frank managed here from uh, 1963 or whatever it was. So we're walking out of the cafeteria. This guy walks past us who was a manager of the opposition. So the men's team were, having, were playing in a friendly because their season starts, actually, at the time of recording, it starts on Saturday because obviously they can't play during the winter because it's snowy. Anyway, I'll, I'll stop waffling, but... This guy walked past, I was wearing my Liverpool hat, and he turned around to me and he said, with this sort of, it was a, it was an English accent you could tell, but it had, it was Swede infused. So he basically said, you can't be wearing that hat round here. That's so, that's, you know, it was the most unique accent. And, and he said, you can't be wearing that hat here after what happened, because that was just after we lost to Real Madrid in the Champions League. And I said, oh, you have to support them through thick and thin, you know. Anyway, we got talking. This bloke was, he's an ex-Liverpool pro like an ex-Liverpool player right and he played in like the 1970s sort of era so back Bill Shankly time and he told us this story of being a young kid and he had to go into the dressing room to go and deliver a message to Bill Shankly and to Roger Hunt who is Liverpool's all-time leading top goal scorer and he was talking about the fact that he was set to be a pro set to play under Bill Shankly but unfortunately, he got a really bad, um, he had a, a massive problem with his knee. It was near his hips. I can't remember, it was one of the two. But they couldn't ever work out what was wrong because the technology at the time, they didn't understand. And so, we like, it just, you know, you meet people in the most random places. This is one story that I will never, ever forget being this, you know, I was at a non-league club in Stockholm and I've met a man who was an ex-Liverpool pro and actually would have made it. I know people say, oh, I've got a knee injury, I would have made it in football. But actually, he was someone that if he hadn't had that knee injury, he was basically set to play in the first team. So that was very, very cool. And had you not have worn the hat... No, he would have... You wouldn't have had that conversation? I, I mean, the only chance we would have had to have a conversation would have been if he'd said something like, what are you boys doing here? And then back in English. But there was no... There was not a mutual connection. It's that thing about football hope. That's the thing that you realise. Like, I think going abroad it made me realise really the power that, or the unity that football can bring in terms of you don't have to be able to speak the same language. If you put a ball at people's feet, people know exactly what you're talking about. But that does happen. Like you wear your Liverpool hat and there, we went into another club shop somewhere where there were like retro shirts. And this guy spoke to me for ages. He was a passionate Swedish Liverpool fan and we were talking about Liverpool, what was going on and then about their local club and how they were feeling for the season. So it was, yeah, it was a really fun trip, something that I would love to do in the future. That's sort of my dream, going and doing that, going around, documenting things. Love it. Loads of fun. Well, if you ever want to do it, just know I'm down. Hope we should, honestly. Yeah. Right, anyway. Yes, or back to reality. Anyway, we're talking about Jason's bit. Back, back to reality. And we're going to jump into story number one because we've been waffling for quite some time. We have. Hope we're talking about who I would describe as the face of Paralympic sport pace running to be exact talking about a man called jason smith now aged 35 jason has announced his retirement and he uh, you know what hold my hands up i actually didn't know a lot about jason before and i was absolutely blown away by this because he, the sprinter has earned six para titles he won 100 and 200 meters at beijing in 20, uh, 2008 and london 2012 and he's been unbeaten since 2005. That is a long time to hold that record. It's a long, long time. That's nearly, that's nearly 20 years. That's right. It's ridiculous. Derry Man was brought up in Ireland and he actually made the T13 sprinting events his own. So for people, this is again, sports, dummies, we'll break it down. For people that may not know, there are different categories in Paralympics. So you'll have T, you, you have T, maybe, I, I can't remember all the numbers, but it's like T8, T13 specifically, which is what, um, Jason was running in, 
was visual impairment. So effectively, not either being blind or having eyesight, but it's, you know, not having perfect eyesight in essence. And, and he is the world record holder for 100 and 200 metres. Now, his first gold medal actually came for Ireland in 2005 and in Finland. He won both the 100 and 200 metres, which is ridiculous because often runners specialise in something. So as an example... Yeah. Usain Bolt did the 200 kind of not really willing like it wasn't really his forte obviously he was the 100 man still did it but actually Jason has made both of the events his own which is a rarity and really really amazing so he actually had perfect vision until he was nine um, and then he actually got a hereditary condition which is called Stargardt's disease I believe it said uh, and it actually basically began to cause his sight to deteriorate so his eyesight got worse and worse and um, now hope Smith's personal record for running 100 metres is 10.22. That's fast. Very, very so fast. Very gruffly then, didn't I? It's that's fast. Very fast. Rapid. <laughs> you, you that. I was just trying to think. I was going to try and compare it to like a cheetah, but then I, then I thought, I don't know what a cheetah runs at. So I'm not going to put myself out there. But that's why I hesitated. Okay, I'll give you. I'll give you some perspective, hope, because um, no, Usain Bolt's not even cheater level. I will say Bolt. By the way, I do know that he loves football, and he he tried, didn't he? But no, not so good. Yeah, it didn't really work out for him. Really quick, obviously, like okay, control, but no. I mean, he was at an age as well where he was like he was old playing football. You know, he it wasn't it wasn't at the peak of his running career for definite. Um, but yeah, so Smith's actually personal record because of his personal record actually saw him compete against Usain Bolt and other great sprinters at the 2011 World Championships in South Korea. And he's actually the first para-athlete to compete at an EU championship um, when he reached the 100 metres semis in Barcelona in 2010. So as a para-athlete, he was competing against athletes. Um, and unfortunately, he came fourth. He missed out by like a tiny fraction, as, as it often is in sprinting. They're always really, really tight margins. But he, I mean, it, it's from his career is remarkable. And it's quite interesting reading about his career now because I was going to say he actually had a year full of injuries building up to Tokyo, which was 2020, wasn't it? That was the 2020 Olympics that all went in the bin. And so he was building up to that and his sort of career was, he had some niggles in a couple of little injuries here or there. And again, people were like, has his age really caught up with him? Obviously, this was now oh, three years ago. That's weird. Or well, two years ago, wasn't it? Because it was 20. Was it 21 they did the Olympics? Was it 20? It was 21, wasn't it? Yeah, 21. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was 21 because I remember being confused by it and you explained. Yes, no, you see, I confused myself. There you go. But um, basically, Smith's unbeaten Paralympic record actually came really, really close in Tokyo from a man, an Algerian runner um, called Athmani. But actually, Smith beat him in his last ever race by 0 0.01 seconds. And hope when you, no. when you see the photo, I mean, if you talk about VAR, literally, it is like, can we insert it? Yeah, you'll insert a photo. I'll I'll get the. It is, I think, practically impossible for the for the naked eye to see. Like, it's. It, I'll, I'll get you, uh, Marnie. So is he completely blind? No. So he can partially. He's got partial sight, so he can he can partially see. Isn't it weird that we can own? This is going to sound really bizarre, but we can only see our own eyes. Like in terms of, I will never be able to see what you see yes all the senses all the senses hope whether it's hearing taste smell type yeah. every everything in everyone's body is different 
And you'll never know if yours is different to someone else's. No, I will never know if the shade of yellow that I look at over there or the pink or the is different to yours. I will never know equally how strong it is. You know, like there are some things you look at that hurt your eyes. There are some things people look at and go, I can't look at that's too bright or it smells too strong. It's interesting. It, and and the, mm. the way that I could stand next to you in a room and we could open a bag of Doritos, right? And you could turn around and say, those stink, shut them and I could go, that's the nicest smell it's weird. It's very, it's very interesting. The anatomy. I want to read a book on it. Do you can read a book and you can come on and tell us all about it and why it is the way it is. <laughs> I'll tell you all about like armpits. Yeah. What? Why? Right. Why armpits? Because I bet armpits are actually quite interesting if you look at them like biologically. Because you got to think about it. There's sweat glands. There's hair follicles. And why why is there sweat glands there? Why why do we want to cool down there? Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, but why why is it further down on the body? Why why not why not there and why not your belly button? Interesting. <laughs> Hope. I wanna I wanna research the armpit. Doctor Hope Ellen researching the armpit. Look we look I look forward. Well and why do they get hairy? Because hair, like eyebrows and eyelashes, protect and, and nose hair protects you from dirt. Yeah. What happens if you get dirty armpit? Why have we got hair there? Interesting. Sorry, but interesting. Literally, fascination station over here. We are, you know. Oh, like that. We're loving it. But yeah, Hope, in essence, Smith's now retired and he came out and said, I think now is the right time for me to step away from competitive Paralympic sports. I've lived and fulfilled the dream and I hope to support the next generation of para-athletes on their journey. But he's actually going to continue working in the Paralympic world. He's still working for Ireland and he's going to work as a strategy manager, obviously with a great background in running. But it was interesting because he basically made quite a good point saying about the fact that, and I don't want to, I don't want to compare it to the war because that's not relevant and it doesn't really make sense. But what I was going to say was what he kind of summed up in essence was similar. So when people go to war, right, there's this feeling of great victories, heroes, and as soon as they come back, nobody cares. And that was similar to what Smith was saying. Actually, when he was at these events, people love him, what he's doing, his story. As soon as he comes back, people are like, oh, you know, you know, who, who are you? Well, it's like, these, it's like, yeah, it's like veterans coming yeah. back, and returning, it, and then they're homeless. Yeah, and it's, and he coming back and, he, and, you know, people are like, oh, you're, you, you know, like, oh, you ran something or another. And that's, just, I think that's really interesting, actually, to, to hear, because I think there is a perception, I think, definitely about Paralympics and people, and I even say some Olympic athletes, I don't think we pay enough attention to the international sporting world. And I think there are often, you will know big names, but there are plenty of sporting stars that you could talk about. People go, literally never heard of that person. And that's really interesting. Well, thank you for um, bringing him to my attention. Hope, of course. And we wish Jason all the best in your retirement, mate. Really hope it's nice and uh, nice and relaxed and you enjoy continuing your work with uh, the Paralympics Island, I was say society, but it's not, the Paralympic Island squad. Imagine retiring at 35. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, mm. yeah. To be fair, because my month has been quite quiet, I have been going around saying I'm retired. <laughs> and you are, oh. <laughs> Me and mum just retired together in the yeah. house. <laughs> it's sweet because I think you could you could live with them forever and your life would be fulfilled. And I find that really, it really warms my heart. I don't know if that's super cute or super sad no but like because you're so like people people normally sit there and go oh parents oh what are they like and not you know and you're and you're there with your mum like like you know singing along holding hands like you know it just it, 
and it's sweet. Yeah, but I think that probably comes with maturity because, like, as I feel like I know my mum and dad now as people, not just as parents, and I yeah. value them as people. And not saying they're my friends, but I enjoy their company. Whereas yeah. when you're younger or maybe more immature, you're like, Ugh, Ugh. don't get me wrong. We all get on each other's tits. Like I annoy them. They annoy me. But yeah, I'm happy at the moment. But yeah. yeah. I mean, That's hopefully good. I'll be back one day. Of course. And you'll be living a, <laughs> you'll be living your own retired life on your own somewhere with your feet up in your rocking chair. Yeah. Story. Number two. So we're talking about a basketball tech startup company, and they've actually just raised $11 million to continue their development of the smart hoop technology. And the name hoop is spelt H-U-U-P-E. So again, a bit more sort of the edgy style. So not hoop, H-O-O-P, it's H-U-U-P-E. There you go. We're talking about hoop. Okay, so does this like count how many you get in? See, this is this is very very clever. So the funding, basically, again, I won't. We don't have to go into the ins and outs of the funding, but it basically involved various different tech companies. Well, tell me how they made eleven million because I feel like we need to secure that investment. That is a serious amount of cash. Um, it's also backed by NBA player Thaddeus Young, who's a good player. Um, now, basically, this this whole process that's happened follows on from like an initial, effectively, an initial round of sort of investment, seeing how they would refine the product. So this money they've raised, the capital they've raised now is going to go towards um, effectively developing hardware, software and AI tech. That's effectively what the whole thing is. So it uses hardware, software and video streaming, basically. So the hoop is pretty much exactly the same sort of hoop that you'd expect. So it's a similar hoop with a backboard. But the backboard is actually a video screen. It's protected by glass. So it's reinforced, which obviously means the glass can't smash. Um, and it's got, it effectively has a screen on the backboard and it displays training videos, drills, interactive games that you can basically do as you're playing. So if you need to do a, a drill where, and again, the technology is only developing, but I would assume if you need to practice your shooting, a video would pop up, a 30 second video, you know, stand here and shoot, stand here and shoot, stand here and shoot. While this is all going on, while you're, say, if you're completing an activity, the AI and analyzes your performance and then provides data for feedback. Now, the target market they're aiming for is basketball players and fitness enthusiasts. I hope I want you to guess how much it costs. Oh, well, if it's for basketball players, it's got to be in the thousands. I'm going to go with fifty. Fifteen thousand pounds. Well, okay. Do you know what? You, you're it's a bit steep, but oh, I, did I do that thing where I shot too high, and now it's going to ruin yeah, your build up? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. Five thousand. Yeah, well, four nine nine five. You, you're pretty much dead on. I'll give you that if you round it up. It's right. So five, pretty four thousand nine hundred ninety-five dollars. You can buy. You can buy a hoop, not a normal hoop, a hoop, and and it's a thirty dollar a month subscription. So in essence, it's actually very similar to the pet, like a Peloton subscription model. So you basically, you buy the hoop outright and you pay a little subscription that keeps your thing going and you get new drills and whatever. And But again, they're hoping that their product basically is going to scale and will sell to millions. And the aim really after kind of selling it privately to those that want to invest like NBA players and private gyms and basketball teams and whoever, they actually want to sell to schools, gyms, and I was going to say schools and sports facilities, which I think is very, very interesting. So, if you look at a Peloton bike, they are about fifteen hundred pounds. So this probably works out at like 
probably like four grand near enough, four, like 4,200, 4,300 pounds. So again, still very expensive. Um, but we'd be interested to see how something like a hoop develops. When you was at school. Yes. And you had PE lessons. Yes. Did you have the apparatus, the metal apparatus that came out and it was like a hard buzz? You'd all be like, yes, the apparatus is <laughs> Oh, because it was the best feeling. Hope was in the dream. Um, we did, but I feel like we were getting to an age of health and safety where that stuff start, like, started to not exist anymore. Oh. I know. The metal apparatus, like, as had, like, rust all over it. it was, the <laughs> yeah. paint was peeling yeah, 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 off. Yeah, yeah. We had the blue mats go down. You've got the big rings. And then you'd have, like, a just a normal bench that you do, like, bunny hops over. Yes. And it would be, like, circuits. Oh, apparatus back at primary school was the bomb. We had one of those, I can't remember, it was, I think it was a springboard where you would jump off it and then fall on a mat. That is unbelievable. Those days, Hope, were class. But to me, the, only, the reason why I think I get lost in time was that RP lessons used to be quite iconic in terms of in year sort of 10 and 11, because you, they got to an age where they didn't really care anymore. People couldn't be bothered with the bleep test. You get to an age where people are like, no, nah, seriously, I'm not running that anymore. Oh, bleep test was so hard. Yeah, rubbish. And you could effectively pick what you wanted to do. And so our year 11, every single, I think ours was on like a Monday morning, Tuesday morning, we'd have football, 50 minutes of football, indoor football. Highlight of my, seriously, one of the highlights of my life. Genuine, genuine story. Non-amount of AK, Chelsea player. Now, I played, Nonny went to my school. I used to, I sat next to him in RE and P. I've told this story before, but I sat next to him year eight, you know, back in the day. And now he's playing for Chelsea. Like, it's a very surreal feeling. Me and my mate sit, like, we sit watching the TV and we're, it, like, it, it doesn't feel real because people often joke and say, oh, there'll be a kid that you know that makes it in this or that. And I think, especially in football, which is so hard to do, you know, I've got a friend that has a season ticket at Chelsea and sees him week in, week out. Like, it is, it's bonkers. Anyway, the reason I'm telling this story is, one of the most iconic sporting days of my life. And, I, and then again, I'll never forget this. So Monday morning, PE was often quite fun, like a bit of football. It was decent. You know, we, it was good fun. But again, it was the morning time. Now, if you didn't play rugby properly, you got to go and play indoor football in the afternoon. And so that was what we looked forward to. Monday morning football was good. Like it was fun. But again, Monday morning, whereas the football, I can't remember what day of the week it was, Wednesday, whatever. Anyway, the story I'm getting to. I was on the same team as Nonny and one of my other mates. And Nonny was the, and I hadn't played with Nonny before because obviously he was often playing with Tottenham at that point and going away. You know, we, we weren't playing together because obviously he was either in the A team or he wasn't playing at all because he had to keep himself fit and obviously healthy. And there was one day where he came down to play football with us and he did. And so we were like, we were these kids that used to muck about in football. We didn't take it seriously. And here he was. We were on the same team and we went undefeated for like, I don't know, 25, some ridiculous amount of games. And he would pass the ball and we'd move. And it, it was like, it felt like I played under Pep Guardiola with one of the greatest players of all time. And the highlight of that day for me that I will never, ever forget was we kicked off. I can't remember what happened. You know, people went in for a hard tackle. The ball fell to me and on the half volley, and I was in one of those standard like sort of, you know, like a gym, like a proper, you know, the gyms with the sort of floor, the floor markings. It effectively a basketball court. I hit the ball outside the boot half volley from the halfway line and the swerve and it hit the top corner and I swear to you that is a goal that I replay in my head and it's like <laughs> I wish someone had filmed that because I would never ever have let it go and that was on the same team as Nonny that is one of the highlights of my life you take your shirt off and go Wah! 
I probably would have got told off by the teachers. No, but the, but but my favorite, one of my favorite teachers was managing. Well, managing us. He was looking after session, and I ran up to. Him, we literally cheered each other's faces, which was class. There you go, Mr. Frayne, you're a legend. Moving actually on from the tech world into a bigger tech perspective, we're talking about the global sport tech report now. Company called Drake Star Partners. They've just conducted a study uh, looking at the basically the sports market in terms of tech in 2022. And they've actually found that the tech market last year generated $90 billion, which is a lot of cash. Where is this cash going? Because there's people who need it. Well, well, this is where where the figures come in. So the study looked at various elements of, of, um, of business, basically. Something like mergers and acquisitions, so buying things, taking items effectively. Financing, public market, you know, looking effectively at all different bits in the sport market. Now, to be fair, I was slightly surprised because the mergers and acquisitions, so again, buying and buying and selling assets, that generated $78.3 billion, which I thought was, you know, not excessive, but a lot of cash. That actually made up a 70% year-on-year increase from 2021. Now, actually, the majority of that was Microsoft's takeover of Activision. That cost $68 billion. So it was kind of like, oh, yeah, it cost $70 billion, but actually 99% of it was done by, by Microsoft. Even still, still counts. And so Microsoft bought Activision uh, for $68 billion, which is absolutely bonkers. Now, interestingly, oh, go on, you were going to... No, I was just frowning. <laughs> I was just angry. And fan, so fancy sports, esports, and gambling made up basically most of the rest of the market. So that two billion effectively was that was the rest of it there. And um, now interestingly, actually, the fan engagement sector was up 70% from last year. So clearly people are investing more in terms of getting their fans involved, whether that's say you go from esports to, to international sports at club level. And um, but it was quite interesting because obviously hope if you think about if you think about COVID, if you think about 2022 and the year. It was obviously quite a weird one because we were coming out the back of COVID and there was a really an an economic recession in this country, really worldwide. Russia's invasion of Ukraine, like it was a it was a weird year. So it was quite interesting. So principal of Drake Star, who's actually called Mohit Parikh, said the rapidly growing sports market witnessed record consolidation during 2022 and a very strong inflow of investment. We expect 2023 to be another strong year and growing investment in the sports ecosystem as strategies and financial investors slash buyers continues to be highly acquisitive. I don't need to say that word, acquisitive. Because acquisition. Acquisitive. Acquisitive. I hope the reason I wanted to tell this story, though, was because I thought it would be very interesting and you'd enjoy this. So for 2023, they've listed as buyers to watch. One of those, which is alongside Fanatics and Sony, two companies that people may know, one of the number ones to keep an eye on, the zone. Hey! There you go. So there you go. So it's quite interesting. People are investing money into technology. The zone. Yes. Have also signed um, a deal with Sky. So they've got a Sky channel now as well. I don't ah, know the ins yes. and outs. I've seen bits and bobs on social media. Some people are really happy. Uh, so others aren't because it's not um, on Sky Glass and yeah. Virgin customers aren't affected and all this stuff. Um, but they're working on trying to get that partnership over the line one way or well, another. So The reason I was telling that story was because actually it's interesting. You look at a company like Hoop or a startup and you think that's one company. $70 billion was spent on, on tech. And I know, well, I know quite, sorry, $78 billion was spent on tech. Now I know $68 billion was spent obviously on Microsoft, 
But that still leaves 10 billion, which is a lot of money. The point is, there are hundreds of companies that are starting up and coming up with ideas. So I was going to ask you, Hope, to wrap up this episode of the new series. What is your sport tech dream? If you had to come up with an idea now oh, of something wow. you could a prototype, what would it be? Shoes that you put on, mm-hmm. like trainers, that allow you to fly. In, in what sense for sport? What, what for bar- basketball or? Well, no, hear me out. <laughs> nope. uh, it will be good for the environment, how it would be built. It would be hydrogen, so it wouldn't be damaging to the planet. And then what you would do is put these shoes on um, and it would make you travel around the world to different events. So if, who was it? Arsenal played um, Lisboa. Lisboa, yeah. Ah, not so long ago. Arsenal players, to get there, rather than a plane, which is bad for the environment, they'd put on these shoes yeah. with the hydrogen and they'd all just fly there together. <laughs> like, you know when you see birds? My nan used to say, when the birds are in that triangle... Certain, the, v, my the v formation my grandma would say they're flying home from school right oh. well the football players would be in the v formation <laughs> flying to their game you'd have Arteta at the front leading the pack and behind there you go yeah. Let's see that. Right and that would be a good advertising opportunity as well they could have a banner I quite like that to be fair. That's quite a nice, it's quite a fun idea. You look, well, maybe, maybe I'll, maybe we'll run with that. That's uh, that's good. The only thing is, so you, you've factually proven it will just use hydrogen. That's it. It's just going to use no other, it's just well, hydrogen. Why are you trying to pick holes in my hypothetical idea? Well, you were so well, confident about, then, what, you were so smart, Alec, what's yours? You were so confident about hydrogen. I just thought it was, you know, well, hydrogen, well, it makes up 3.2% of the Earth's atmospheric oxygen levels. <laughs> you know, it was just, it was just look, not just, a, not just a pretty face. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. I know all about the hydrogens. The, the, hy- the hydrogens. Oh, I know all about the, hy- the oxygens, the hydrogens, the calciums, and the you know what's it, Bob's and that you know all the all the hydrogens. I'm all about that. The hydrogens. <laughs> if I was coming with idea, hope. I mean, again, the tech in the tech world's interesting, isn't it? I think I like the idea of I don't know because I have quite a few like fun tech ideas of what you can do. But again, in my head, something I think that would be interesting would be you know you look at people, and again, this is a bit more. I'm not sure how this would work necessarily. Just spit it out. You know, you know when you look at kids that train on their own with football or just sports generally. Actually, sent as a kid on my road. I love, I love yeah. seeing kids do that. When you see like a little boy. When I lived in Maidenhead up the park, yeah. there used to be a little boy and he'd take his cones and he'd be dribbling about. Yeah, kids like and that. And I thought, bless your heart, you're going to make it. It's sweet. Isn't it? Well, there's there's a lad that lives near me. He's, he plays basketball nearly every day. I'm out on the walk with my dog every single day. He's there shooting, dribbling, practicing. Anyway. And he's quite good. You know, he's, he's got, again, I don't study him. I'm not saying with my notebook, go, that's three May, three news today. You know, but he, every time I see him, it looks like he's getting a bit better. I feel for those kids that go and play on their own and it's boring. So just imagine, like, in a hypothetical land, you put on some, like, glasses, effectively, like, like goggles, and you get to play with other people. I'm not saying people are going to be, you're not going to have Ronaldinho standing there waving at you, kicking a ball back. But imagine if there was a technology or something where, as an example, if you could even simulate having a defender, like, like wearing VR, right? Having a defender running towards you and you'd have to dribble around them. They might not necessarily be there, but creating that aspect of training with somebody else. That's what I would do for those that have to train on their own because that isn't the most fun. I think that would be very good from a developmental training standpoint, but potentially dangerous in terms of a human interaction, socialising angle. <laughs> or, or you, yeah. you know what I mean? like, just, like if someone's got no friends and then they start making friends with like a fake Ronaldo, it's like mm, well, no, I, I, I just, probably not very good for your development. I just imagine that sort of clip where 
like you just see a kid wearing the goggles and just from like head first into a tree or like you know they're just dribbling with the ball and they're like ah smack you turn around and there's a kid that's just anyway i think that wraps up episode number one going off that absolute <laughs> tangent thank you ever so much everyone for listening as always and um, hope you can finish us off lewis thank you so much for sharing all those stories um i enjoyed them thoroughly we digressed a lot like as we always do and just to say thank you for listening if you've got this far in the episode congratulations and thank you yeah (laughs) you've you've held on in there when we've been procrastinating and going on all sorts of tangents as always we appreciate and love all of your support so give us a like on instagram uh youtube tiktok if you can give us a review on apple podcasts um and that's it I think I'll see you next done. week see you next week people have a great one and we'll uh, catch on it and if there's any sports that we've missed let us know anything we need to catch up on uh, and any stories that you enjoyed just let us know peace sports dummies podcast at gmail.com finally eyes on the prize on the prize sports social podcast network Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.